2: You
0: always
1: follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on V
5: Welcome in to hour two of Follow the Money live from downtown Las Vegas, a Circa resort, and casino overlooking the beautiful circus sportsbook. Stormy Bon Antonio and Sean King in for Mitch and Polly today. And while we could continue our conversation, because we did basically in the break just continue our conversation about how I feel about Utah and debating Cameron <laughs> Rising for MVP, we will turn the page. Time to get into some more NFL talk. Uh, the Raiders begin their second week of training camp. Of course, they're playing in the Hall of Fame game, so they get a little bit of the early start for preseason. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently, Devontae Adams has some very high praise for his new quarterback, Derek Hart. New All all old things are made new again, right? Former college teammates at Fresno State. But he made a comment that sent social media ablaze talking about Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, indicating Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. There's always going to be a little bit of a difference getting ready. He has since clarified his statements in a press conference. So take a listen.
6: Why why, why is Derek not a, a Hall of Famer, you know? But what I what I meant, I left one key word out of there because it's, that's not exactly what I meant. But I do think that Derek's career is Hall of Fame worthy, and, and why not? I mean, you know, people can can say that about this guy, or that guy. What I would say is, does he have the the MVPs right now? You know, no. Does he has he won a Super Bowl? Not yet. You know, that's obviously what we're what we're chasing. But what I meant to say was, even if you go, Hall of, if you go even Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, it's an adjustment. You know, I meant like even if it is Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, there's gonna be an adjustment. I wasn't saying Hall of Famer Aaron to Hall of Famer Derek.
5: So he said he added the even if. So back <laughs> back uh backtracked it a little bit, but a receiver talking up his quarterback's nothing new.
6: Yeah, I mean, but Carr is a Hall of Famer, Fresno State. I mean, so he was kinda, you know, being accurate, but
5: they did, can we just talk about like they did light it up.
6: Yeah, absolutely. For Fresno State, They're a group really of five teams, yeah. best
5: tandem in the nation. Shout
6: out to my guy, Jake Hayner, too, uh, at Fresno State. Yeah. They're beating USC early in the season, by the way. But, I mean, when you look <laughs> at take. I
5: love it.
6: where Derek Carr is, I mean, he's still trying to prove himself. Like, just that he's like an upper echelon starting quarterback. I mean, five years in the NFL, Stormy, he started all five. He's never thrown for 30 touchdowns. He's only thrown for more than 23 touchdowns once, and that was 27. So he's still kind of in that, yeah, he's all right, but, you know, he's not real in in my Jay-Z voice. So, I mean, he's got a lot to prove. This is probably his best supporting cast. You add Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, one of the top tight ends in the NFL, Hunter Renfro, an elite slot guy. You get Josh Jacobs, the running back, in a contract year. So if that offensive line can kind of just take, you know, small increment steps from an improvement standpoint, I mean, you're looking at a pretty talented offense, so – You know, I don't know that the transition is going to be smooth early in the season, and it's not just because Derek Carr is getting to learn Devontae Adams, but they're also learning a new system. Mm -hmm. So this will be a lot of firsts for a lot of things as it pertains to the Raiders, and I think that's why when you look at the division, they're the team with the highest odds. Mm -hmm. When you look at, you know, their talent defensively, they added Chandler Jones to place on that D-line with Max Crosby. You know, you would look at this team and say – you know, they have a realistic shot to win this. But I think all the newness kind of scares some people, and that's why I think you can get, you know, right now at DraftKings and at Sidney, plus 650, the Raiders to win the division. Now, can they do it? I'm not sure. But if they can mesh everything together, the talent's there.
5: Well, and the newness, I think, I would argue that could even be a positive that you have a guy like Josh McDaniels, who is this offensive-minded type of a guy who's going to give you confidence, and you have now your, your best friend who also just happens to be, in my estimation, the best wide receiver in football. I mean, Cooper Cup's obviously going to make his argument, Mm -hmm. (laughs) his counter to that, but like Devontae Adams is as elite a route runner as they come, and he's a touchdown getter. And you mentioned the lack of touchdowns for Derek Carr. He always gets his passing yards. You know, that's nothing new. He's always racking them up fifth in the NFL last year, but not getting the end zone, just 23 touchdowns last season, ranking 12th in the league. So I think Adams is going to help that area in a really big way. Um, you did mention the division. So where do they stack up in the division? Derek Carr um, talked a little bit about the way that other people are looking in on the Raiders this season.
6: My real answer is the expectation, all that kind of stuff. Who says it? Honestly, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Whether they don't say anything or they say a lot, nobody cares. Hopefully they talk about us at the end.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, But right now, that crap don't matter.
7: It doesn't matter, Derek. Why do you talk about it and why do you...
6: Thank you, Paul. It's so good to see you. Uh, I say it because I'm a positive person. And I try and... uh, It is. And I try and encourage my teammates. There's a way that I say things to encourage my locker room to maybe put a chip on their shoulder. And sometimes I do it too much. And so I don't appreciate your tone either. You can pump that back a little bit.
5: So really good response to that. You know, nobody thinks anything of us. Comment. I love the honesty there from Derek Carr.
6: I like that.
5: I like when players show a little bit of their personality, show a little bit of back and forth.
6: He looks like he's been Be yourself. lifting, but he looks like he's been all indoors. Didn't he look pale? He's I mean, <laughs> I've been in Vegas. It's been, I mean, scorching hot.
5: Okay, um, I'm going to let you guys in on a little trade secret of media, even though these cameras still make me look pale as they're pale as they come. I legitimately do not go outside. I put self-tanner on the top half of my body because that is what you see here at the desk. Okay. Just to get a little, I do not go outside. It's too hot for All that. Right. I stay in the AC. I understand what Derek Look, is yeah. doing. They got a dome. They don't need right. to be outside. Look
6: like like <laughs> summer's been in the indoor. I mean, goodness. But again, like I just, I don't understand why players get sensitive, like when they're in front of the media. Like I just don't get it. Like the media has a job to do. They're gonna ask questions. Uh, a lot of times, I don't feel I agree, like.
5: Agree, but if you're gonna ask a certain question, you ex- you, you. But
6: don't, if you're if you're being, you know what you're getting. Right, but if you're saying one thing, but you're doing another, then the media has every right to ask you. Like, if you're telling your teammates and the media is privy to it that we're not getting any credit, like we're not getting any respect, but then you get up in front of the media and you say, well, none of that stuff even even matters. Then, I mean, it's justified if they ask you, well, why are you bringing it up? I got you. You know, my dad said, let well, your yes be yes, your no be no.
5: It is also factual, though. The the from an expectations standpoint, based on the history of the Raiders since making the Super Bowl in 2002, the Raiders have only the Raiders have had 12 head coaches, two winning seasons, two playoff appearances, zero wins, and zero first place finishes in the AFC West. So nobody's coming out here saying, "Oh, the Raiders are going to blow the doors off the most difficult division in the NFL at this point." So I, I understand that but him also trying to, like, hey, have a rallying cry for his group, too.
6: I get it. I mean, I just, hey, I get it. I like his enthusiasm. You know, I'm, I'm a, I, I'm I a big Derek Carr I question some of the pronouns he uses, like my locker room and, you know, my guys are just – I think Derek Carr is still in a prove-it zone. I mean – You do? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Storm, when you look at the numbers, I mean –
5: I think this is the year he takes off. His
6: passing yardage went up to 4,800 yards last year, but he also threw the ball 111 more times than he did the year before, but his touchdowns went down four. So he went up 700 and some yards passing, but down four touchdown passes, which means a lot of empty yards in those numbers.
5: He also, we got to talk not just numbers themselves, but like, situational football how many comebacks did he leave yeah I
6: also remember him calling timeout the last time I saw him play in the Bengals playoff game on a drive where uh come on Derek you gotta get a play ran. you had time defense hey everybody makes
5: mistakes look at Mike McCarthy he's still got it I know I'm just
6: saying like when you're trying to make that transition you know from good to good plus I, I feel like those are the moments where you have to be at your best And if you aren't your best in those moments, then I wonder, are you capable of going from good to good plus? I'm not even asking him to be great. I'm just saying be good plus, because right now, if you had a lottery, he's the last quarterback selected in the AFC West.
5: I always kind of wonder
6: Mahomes is going first. Yeah. Russell's going second. You do? Or Justin Herbert. Either way, I think I was gonna say at
5: this point at this point in their careers, I think that I would want the future of Justin Herbert. I would take him second.
6: Oh, no, I'm going Russ. Because by the time Justin Herbert wins, so it might be a different coach. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Poor Brandon Staley. Okay, well, let's let's get into the division here for these last couple of minutes. Three of the four teams in the division has a win total of 10 or higher, 10 and a half with the Chiefs there. How many teams do you realistically see of this list that can get over that 10 mark and can make the playoffs? Because there is this fancy, handy-dandy little prop out there. Any division to have four playoff teams Twelve to one at DraftKings with the way that the structure of the league is now, that is possible. hasn't happened yet, but it is possible.
6: Well, last year, you know, just to uh, put context on it, Kansas City finished at twelve and five. Uh, Vegas was ten and seven. The Chargers were nine and eight, and they only went five and four at home. So if mm-hmm. they're just one game better at home, then they match what this win total is. So I think those numbers are about right. You think Denver came in last at seven and ten, so. You know, they're going to upgrade. I wouldn't be surprised if all four teams go over their win total. I really wouldn't, although I'm not as high on Kansas City as some people. I think losing Tariq Hill is a big deal. I think the fact that they didn't add yeah. any pass rushers is a big deal. Then you lose Honey Badger and some of that veteran leadership on defense. So and the, I,
5: They obviously like got better as the season went on, but right. there were a lot of red flags and worries about yeah. that team early on in the and year. And I'm never
6: going to go against Mahomes, but I'm not fully backing right. him. At ten and a half.
5: The Chargers too, because you mentioned the the home record, didn't they also lose like three of four games that were decided by three points? Like close games. Because of the head coach.
6: Yeah, who's still there.
5: Defensive minded, that's why, right?
6: Yeah, I wonder what how many followers Brandon Staley has on Twitch, because he just seems like one of those guys that that plays Madden live and people just watch.
5: So you think he's going to get fired, but he's the favorite nah. to win Coach of the yeah, Year. I no, I know he he's not going to get fired, fired yeah. but do you like him I just don't of the trust year him. odds? No,
6: ma'am. <laughs> I mean, I think at some point he could win it because I think all of his, like, you know, Back to the Future. What's the uh, scientist in Back to the Future?
5: Oh, my gosh. Don't yeah. make Doc, Doc Brown, Brown. Yeah, all
6: of his <laughs> Doc Brown experiments might all work. <laughs> One year, it might be 2026, but not this He's
5: year. He's not that bad. Things just—he just started to get a little bit weird midway through the season. He'll get it together. Uh, we're gonna come back here on Follow the Money and do Top Five Tuesday, our favorite Ooh. sports memories. Gonna break up a little of the nuts and bolts and talk some nostalgia.
7: on v the Sports Betting Network.
5: Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is serving up big wins with our new weekly profit boost on all tennis wagers. Visit betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app every Wednesday to receive a 20% profit boost on any tennis wager. That's right, log in every Wednesday, automatically get 20% profit boost. Now you can live stream your favorite betting your favorite tennis players right from the bet rivers app heat up your summer with the bet river sportsbook app it's a whole new game stormy Bon and Tony and sean king filling in pinch hitting we do that a lot around here at the we network do. for mitch and polly's they get some well-deserved vacation you're going on vacation soon
6: too, I, am. Excited? I am going to new orleans uh, oh, so getting jealous. inducted into the hall of fame what? excited about that i
5: didn't realize that was coming up so yeah, soon it's this saturday that is so exciting. Yeah, that Congratulations. That's amazing. Going to Tampa,
6: spend some time with mom, get to see what the Bucks got going on. Maybe me and Leonard Fournette hit the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well,
5: I'm sure that this moment is surely going to become something that is a, a lifelong memory for you that might bump one of these other memories off of your list as we get into our top five favorite sports memories we uh I, I looked at your list and I looked at mine and yours is <laughs> yours is significantly <laughs> cooler. <laughs> this is definitely like pros versus Joe's best memes here.
6: So it was interesting. Um I have so many. You know, and I'm not saying it from a Braggados' standpoint, but when you look back on life, right. like I've been, you know, a part of some fantastic teams, you know, really gotten fortunate. To be in situations like in the National Football League where you go to a team that has, what is it, three Hall of Famers and probably two more guys. Because Sapp, Lynch, and Brooks are already in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Simeon Rice deserves to be Rondé Barber's but on the ballot. At some point, Mike Allstock probably will be on the ballot. So, I mean, it's just, you know, extremely fortunate to go into those kind of situations. Um college to be on an undefeated football team i mean that's yeah. that's rarefied air like there's been some great teams but the amount of teams that have gone through the college football season undefeated start to finish through the bowl game not a whole lot of teams so i mean been 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 some really cool situations and then of course i had to throw my horse racing in there charismatic <laughs> 30 to 1 wins the derby in 1999 i mean just amazing amazing experience so
5: how hard was it for you to rank them then to order them
6: well I put undefeated one because I was actually a key component of of that undefeated season the Super Bowl is two because I mean my whole deal was I was trying to invent photobombing so I didn't actually get in the game but I decided that okay I know John Gruden's gonna be in every shot so I'm just gonna stand with Gruden Everywhere it goes, I don't want people to think that I wasn't actually here. So, like, I didn't actually play in the game. So that one couldn't be won. The Derby's the Derby, you know. Winning it thirty to one shot. Some people had Rich Strike. That'll be, yeah. you know, so their yeah. greatest memory. Did you get and,
5: chills just through your whole body? Uh, yeah. When that horse came oh yeah. Oh
6: yeah. Yeah yeah. Absolutely. And then uh, the Monday Night Football. That was my first start. You know, here we are. We went the NFC Central at the time. So when I was drafted, Tampa Bay was in a division with. Minnesota, Chicago, Green Bay, Detroit. And we had uh, Minnesota, they had Jeff George, they had uh, Randy Moss, they had Chris Carter. Mm-hmm. I think Robert Smith was the running back. So this is the old school Vikings. First start, Monday Night Football. Dun, 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 <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I mean, so, and we went out awesome. and threw two touchdown passes. We won. And then all Bucks fans will appreciate number five because. We lost the NFC Championship game to Bird, uh, the Bert Emanuel catch. We were driving to beat the Rams, and, and the referees, they got us. Yeah, I can say it. You got us. That's It's all good. We played the Rams the following year, late in the season, Monday night football. The winner made the playoffs. The loser eliminated from the playoffs. And it was an 11-6 game in the uh, NFC Championship. It was a 38-35 to shootout. Threw two touchdowns, almost three hundred, you know, rushed for sixty yards or something. So tremendous game, back and forth. Every time I see Kurt Warner, I told him, I tell him, I got you in the end, though. <laughs> <laughs>
7: <That's> <laughs>
6: meanwhile, he's had epic. like a. Meanwhile, he has he's had like a movie, you know, made about it. So he just. I lost. actually did
5: really like the movie, to be honest yeah, with it you. It wasn't bad.
6: So like those are kind of my experiences. No, I tried really to cool. to find some some coaching and media stuff, but none of them I thought would usurp. So,
5: meanwhile, yeah, yours is, your list is incredible.
6: But your list is your meanwhile, list. Meanwhile, we go so to my my
5: top five sports memories, two of which I was not even a part of. I was just a spectator, but like, but they had emotional ties for me. Okay. So my number one, like a lot of people here in Vegas, is the Golden Knights' very first ever home game after the October 1 tragedy at Route 91. Okay. And Like I was living in Charlotte at the time and I was working as an editor at NBC just like doing fill-in work and I got assigned that game and I was so glad because everybody knew I was a Golden Knights fan they like let me do the game and I just had chills running up and down my entire body when Derek England went out to center ice and gave his speech and said those we are Vegas strong words like it is and it was it galvanized the entire city. Through something horrific that happened and it was just it was so incredible and it's something that I'll never forget and it's my my favorite sports memory ever Um, and I hate that it came out of something so terrible but it was just such a beautiful moment and for him to be somebody that had lived in Vegas it had the connection it was really really special and then for me to go on and get to work for that team later on that is my hometown team like Vegas born is everything to me so it was very very special Um, the, the Cubs break in the curse. After 108 years, so my dad was drafted to the Cubs back in the day. So we always have, like, a tie and an affinity for the team. But I'm sure everybody knows, like, the way that they even had to win it, it was, like, so Murphy's Law. Everything that can go wrong is the final game as it goes to game seven, has a rain delay, it's an extra innings. And, you know, it's just, like, they had a lead in the eighth inning. They let it go, and they have to go to extras to finally get over the hump and break the curse, Mm -hmm. and it was just... Oh, fly the W, baby! Right? Right, Yeah. It was everything. Um. So that was that's one. Then we have some personal experience ones. Um. Coach Cal.
6: Okay.
5: Obviously, Hall of Fame college basketball coach John Calipari. I got to do a couple Kentucky basketball games sideline for, and one of my just it was such a weird memory, but it was so fun and just remind me the humanizing side of sports that like these incredible legendary figures are just people every now and then and i had like grabbed his arm to do a a sideline halftime interview and he like went back and forth like i can't believe you just grabbed my arm like what are you like totally messing with me in the middle of a game like what (laughs) are you doing on air and i was like trying to ask him the serious He's like fine i'll answer your question but it was just such a fun cool moment that's you know that he, you know my name. You're joking around with me. You're a real person. And I just, I don't know why. I love that. It yeah. sticks with me. Um, Mark Stone, uh, captain of the Vegas Golden Knights, had an overtime game-winning goal against Colorado, game five of last year's Stanley Cup playoffs. And um, I was the only reporter in the NHL that mm-hmm. got to travel um, with the regional network during that time, during that pandemic-induced season. And him, I was standing right next to the goal when he scored, and it was freaking nuts because they were down 2 nothing in the third period. They come back scoring overtime and just to like be there and like see the visceral emotion and everything was just so cool and like go on and beat Colorado, which Avalanche, you're welcome for that moment because it clearly like galvanized you to go on and win the <laughs> cup this season. So there you go. Uh, It was very cool at the time, especially like they lost game one of the the Golden Knights lost game one of that series like 7-1. They got blown out. They went down 0-2 in the series and then came back and won four straight. So very fun. And then my last one, and I am so chatty, sorry here. My first ever ESPN college football game Uh was a few years back when Georgia State upset Tennessee week one and it was huge. They were 25 point plus dogs in this game, had never had a power five win Tennessee hadn't lost to a non-Power 5 team in, like, more than a decade. Um, it was just so cool. And I remember head coach Sean Elliott at the end of the game said to me in our post-game interview, and it just, like, forever is emboldened in my brain, um, they say the SEC just means more. It just meant more to us today. And, I mean, like, it was just, oh!
6: couple things for you, list. One Jeremy Pruitt wasn't putting enough money in the McDonald's bags. At <laughs> I the wasn't time. gonna bring up. Obviously. I wasn't gonna
5: bring up Jeremy <laughs> Pruitt.
6: And I, I was, wasn't gonna bring it up. I was this close to putting Lightning win 2004 Stanley you Cup because that created Pucks That's
5: when it began. Yes, that created
6: Pucks No I, way. I had no exposure to hockey until. I kind of started following them in the playoffs. And who would have thought, like, in it. Florida,
5: that's right. that's how you're going to get into hockey right. in Florida. That's so cool. Great
6: list, though. I mean, that, that's phenomenal. Um, it's really cool. I, I can't imagine the atmosphere at some of those games, especially when you consider what was going on around them. Actually, shout out to Joe Madden, too. You guys had to take our manager to break that curse.
5: <laughs> that was 108 years. I know. Like, think about how long you've been on this earth. The Cubs been struggling.
4: Yeah.
5: It's, and now they're, they're back to struggling, unfortunately. And they got rid of some of those key pieces that made that team so special. But that's just a forever memory for anybody that's ever loved the Chicago Cubs or lived in Chicago. So very, very cool. My last thing on my list was college football because we are headed to the SEC next SEC Network's Roman Harper on with us. Also. Former, I mean he was in the league for a decade with the Saints and Panthers. He will join us to talk all things SEC and the NFC South. More follow the money on the other side after quick timeout.
7: Follow the money on V-CEN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: The VSIN Football Betting Guides are coming soon, and there's no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team. We've got advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and all the player awards. Reserve your copy of the Football Betting Guides today and get access to everything we offer for the entire season with the VSIN All Access subscription. Make this football season your best ever. Subscribe now at vsin.com. Slash subscribe. Stormy Bonanton and Sean King at the desk here. Welcome back to Follow the Money on Tuesday. Gonna get back into some college football conversation. Excited to welcome in SEC Networks. Roman Harper, former Alabama All SEC safety, spent a decade in the NFL with the Saints and Panthers. Welcome in, Roman. Excited to have you.
7: Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, it's good to hear you guys' voice this morning. I've uh, been in Miami. And I need to sober up, so I'm here.
5: <laughs> well, we appreciate you getting up early then, even more so now. Uh, let's talk about this Crimson Tide group of yours, favored to be the national champions after, obviously, the letdown against Georgia and last year's national championship game. Are you as high on the Crimson Tide bouncing back as it appears oddsmakers
7: are? Uh, yes, I am. I was on record for saying that if Alabama, if Nick Saban does not win a championship this year, with this quarterback it will be the biggest letdown or disappointment at his tenure at university of alabama which he hasn't let's be honest' it's, that's not saying a crazy statement it's big numbers and big words but he hasn't had a lot of disappointments either so but with this quarterback he's the best quarterback you've ever had and then we all know that how important that position is he's a high returning winner and you also have the best defensive player you've had since statement's been there too and will anderson so it's a lot of things that are shaping up and pointing in the right direction, uh, especially when it comes to transfer portal and everything that Alabama has going on on that roster. You like their chances, and also the fact that everybody in the SEC, you look at them, Alabama is a better team. than them.
6: You know, it's interesting. Uh, people going into the NFL draft, coaches changing, haven't really been an issue at Bama. But for the, off, uh, the audience, Roman, no Brian Robinson at running back, no Jamison Williams. No Mechie, you know, prayers to him as he goes you know, through what he's going through off the field. Give us a couple names of some guys in skill positions at Bama who we don't know right now, but you think will be household names by the time the season is over.
7: Uh, Well, offensively, you really you – really, I really can't tell you everybody because I don't think anybody knows the receivers either. Like, I don't I, – when we asked Nick Saban about it, he literally couldn't tell us anybody offensively that was going to be the, the standout player for them this year. It was more about just who was going to be the next one to step up. Um, we were looking at that. And then when it comes to running back, it's going to be Jameer Gibbs, the transfer out of Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. That is the one guy that he really pointed out, and they said he's a different type of player. And this offense, and that the biggest struggles with Alabama's offense last year was that they became too much of a drop-back team uh, and that's because they had two really good receivers and, two, and you know, and the quarterback can throw it, but they also put more pressure on probably their weakest part of their offense from the offensive line. So they want to be better, which is more balanced in the run game. They want to be able to have more play action plays off of the run game, maybe some, some tight end, more tight ends and, you know, two tight end looks and not just three, four wide receivers all the time. So I think play calling will be the biggest difference. Not so much as like, who's going to be this guy that's going to step up. Um, I, I couldn't tell you that off the top of my head. I know they got an all-star quarterback that's going to distribute the football to whoever's open. And the running back that I just named, Jameer Gibbs, is somebody that they're very excited about. And also the returning running back in Chase McCallum too. He was also another really good player two years ago.
5: And like you mentioned, whoever those receivers are very fortunate to have a quarterback in Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Another name you mentioned earlier on the defensive side of the ball, Will Anderson. And like you said, Nick Saban echoed those same thoughts talking about how those two are are maybe the best he's had at the position ever in his tenure as the head coach uh, there of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Will Anderson is also the most bet on player so far to this point to win the Heisman this year. He finished fifth in the voting last year, had the most quarterback sacks of anybody in the country. What are your thoughts on his chances to maybe be one of those long shots that gets in there and wins the Heisman?
7: My opinion on this is that he should at least, if he's invited, I think that's just as good as a defensive player. That is what it's all about. And it's all about going after, what is that dash after your name? Because that sticks with you forever. All right? Chase Young was a Heisman finalist and the number one overall pick. That is the same trajectory in what Will Anderson is on. He would have been the number one overall pick in last year's draft if he was draft eligible. That's just the truth. Now I don't think he will win it just purely because it is an offensive award. They lie to us and tell us that it's the best <laughs> player in college. That's not true. That is not the truth. It is an offensive award that they like to give offensive players. Usually at plays quarterback or at a, you know, traditional powerhouse big five school that has had an excellent season. That is what the award is given to. That's who they like to vote for. And when they tell us it goes to the best player, they're just lying to us. So I'm gonna be honest with you and say it is an offensive award and Will Anderson probably will not win this award. I'm I'm about eighty five percent sure he won't, but he needs to be invited. And I want this same type of energy because I was all on his train last year that he should have won it. He should have at least been by invited. And that all the things that it means to a young player to, to actually have your name mentioned as a Heisman finalist, and you just go to a different category and a different level, especially on the defensive side of the football. Will Anderson and the special year that he had last year, it's just gonna be so hard to repeat all those numbers. I think the defense will be better. I think Alabama will be looked at as a different way. And also when you had a defense like Georgia out there, they're like nobody's paying attention to anybody but Georgia's defense last year. This year, I think Alabama will get a lot more looks.
6: You know, speaking of Georgia, Roman, you just came from SEC media days. Everybody's saying the right thing. Everybody's optimistic. Talk to me about how the sauce is made. Because Kirby, smart, Georgia, coming off of winning the national championship, but they had 15 guys get drafted. They had multiple coaching changes on the staff. Do people inside the SEC think that Georgia, if they're ever going to be vulnerable, this is the year?
7: Uh, yes, they do think that, but they also take into account that Georgia's schedule sets up really nicer than this year. That <laughs> the teams that are on their schedule, they mostly got the hardest ones at home. You got the Florida Georgia game, which is always tricky. But Florida's down. You also have the other rival between Georgia Auburn. Auburn's like uh, we don't even know right now. Uh, they, I mean, they tried to get rid of their coach at one point this offseason. season. So it, it's a lot of things, but the schedule always plays a big role into it. The one game that I'm excited to watch with Georgia is the first one of the year to be at or- well, mm-hmm. Oregon in Georgia. It'll be at the uh, Mercedes zone and uh, right there in Atlanta and Oregon's coming down. You got transfer quarterback, Bo Nix, who's very used to playing against this Georgia team and also their former coordinator, Daniel Lanning is the head coach at Oregon. So he will know exactly some of the, the stress points to go against this defense. Bo Nix and his ability to, to extend plays and, Hopefully, be able to his, continue his growth process and be able to stay in the pocket because we know he can play in big games, but he just has to do it more consistently, and that's what he didn't do at Auburn. But uh, you know, new place, new face—you know—it could definitely change some things. Looking forward to that one, and then also Kentucky late in the year. Um, I believe that one is in Kentucky as well as in Lexington. That would be another very interesting game. If Georgia holds off with those two, Georgia will undoubtedly be—you know—another. Uh, it would definitely be in the SEC championship. I think if you looked, I think ESPN had a, a Reiki out there. It was like Alabama was like 49% and then Georgia was like 47 something to win the sec championship and everybody else was less than 1%. So I'm not going against those numbers. I just don't think Vegas messes up that much. So it's going to be between those two again. And who's going to win in the biggest game. Uh, we see that Georgia has done it. Kirby has a different swag about him because now he has slayed the dragon. He beat Alabama. And that is one thing and one shift that nobody else in this conference really can say that they can do outside of Texas A&M and Jimbo last year.
6: I'll tell you this, Roman, always be a contrarian. Never go with the public. This is the year. <laughs> Coach Stoops gets it done. Kentucky comes out of the SEC uh, East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anytime my quarterback puts <laughs> mayonnaise in his coffee, I'm buying some of that stock, baby. Talk me out of Kentucky. Uh,
7: well, well, Will Levis. first of all, he deserves – most of the hype I will say that first and foremost but he has to learn how to not turn the football over he had 24 touchdowns and he threw 13 interceptions last year and we all know in college that's too many and it's also more about the mistakes just because I pick a a pass play or a deep shot doesn't mean you have to throw the deep shot those are the things that will must improve on and he got himself in trouble look it, it looks great when I got a quarterback that's athletic and throw it 60 yards down the field run and jump over people put the mayonnaise and eating bananas, all that stuff, right? Like, that's cool. I love it all. But what's going to win on Saturdays is being more consistent in the pocket. They also lose their coordinator, uh, Liam Cohen. So now they bring in a new offensive coordinator. So the scheme's going to be different. And so you still got the two best runners, a two-headed best 2 monster and Kavate Smoke and Chris Rodriguez running the football. That will help. But they also lost all of their wide receivers. Wondell Robinson changed Kentucky's offense last year. They have to find a way to replace his explosiveness on that side of the football. If they're able to do that, I can believe it somewhere. But Kentucky's defense is not going to be as good, and their offense may take a step back. So, I mean, good luck. That's all I'm saying. Their schedule does not set up the same as Georgia's when it comes to how easy it is and when these games are played. But I do like Kentucky as possibly the third or fourth best team in the SEC.
5: Roman, appreciate you. We're up against it, but thank you so much for the time.
7: Oh, anytime. Thank you, guys. Appreciate
5: it. That's SEC Network's Roman Harper. And you know Will Levis has got to have some stomach issues. We'll continue our (laughs) college football talk.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call
1: 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Die.
7: Follow the money on VSet, the sports betting network.
5: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com and check out the current betting splits data. So if you want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game, this is the spot. The betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes, so you see all the changes in action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match that public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are just another way that vcin's here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Stormy Tony and Sean King live from downtown Las Vegas Circa Resort and Casino and great conversation. We just wrapped up with Roman Harper of SEC Network, which I think is actually a really good place to start for this next exercise. I want to do okay. a little confidence meter on some of the major conference favorites and see whether or not we want to fade or follow these conference favorites if we believe the hype around their season win totals their CFP potential so let's start right there in the SEC where we left off the Alabama Crimson Tide on a scale of 1 to 10 Alabama is a minus 125 favorite to win the SEC plus 190 to make it back to the CFP where's your confidence meter on the Tide
6: uh what do we got 5 Options on the uh, oh. confidence meter over there is that five different, I'd probably say four and a half. And oh. the, and the only reason I'm, I'm not a Oh, okay, fi- so
5: out of five. We're going out of right. five, not out of ten. Right, so
6: five. only reason I'm not all five, I'm still a little skeptical about this receiving core. And I know traditionally Alabama's been a run the football, play great defense type of team. But it's hard for me to envision a team that threw the ball as much as they did last year, all of a sudden being conservative. You know, a team that mm-hmm. threw the ball as much as they did the year before with Mac Jones and Jalen Waddell, mm-hmm. Devontae Smith. And what I did see when they were forced to play supplementary wide receivers in that championship game was drop-off in explosiveness, in uh, catch consistency, in route running. And although Nick is – made me a believer before when I thought maybe this will be the year I still think it gets harder and harder to do it year in and year out just replace elite players Jamison Williams and John Mechie were unbelievable when they were both healthy so four and a half you know because I, I still think that defense can carry him. but I'm not going all the way five yet on Bama
5: well and I don't blame you I think that they're the favorite for the reason, and on paper, they are a better team than Georgia, who they're obviously going to be going toe to toe with. But in the SEC, there's so much drop off after those two programs. I think between the two, if it comes down to the SEC championship game, it could be anybody's game. Right. So
6: I'm not as high on Georgia.
5: So who,
6: I, I think if Georgia's ever going to stumble, I know stop you're all over toe. Kentucky. Yeah. You and, think and
5: Kentucky's better than I was Georgia?
6: almost pulling the plug on Tennessee because I like Hendon Hooker as well. Love. I went Kentucky just because of Stoops' experience in the conference. I wish this was last year's Kentucky's team, but it's more a Georgia lost a lot of talent, and they have a game manager, Stetson Bennett, at quarterback. They don't have, like, a transcendent potential top five draft pick right, it's at different. quarterback. So if they're ever going to stub their toe, all I'm saying is, this is the year it happens.
5: Okay, let's go to the Big Ten because this is one where I don't think there will be any no pushback. stubbing. No
6: pushback whatsoever. <laughs> yeah,
5: the Ohio State Buckeyes, massive favorites, minus 250 to win the Big Ten, um, plus 350 to win uh, in the college football playoff. Yes, no to make it, plus 205. I'm surprised that that's as much value on it as you can get, to be honest.
6: Yeah, because they're definitely winning the Big Ten. I mean, barring something happening to to C.J. Stroud.
5: Like, to make the CFP plus 205, I like that.
6: I like them to make the college football playoff. I'm still four and a half, though, to win it all. Oh,
5: I read that wrong. I'm wrong. Minus 255. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That makes more sense. I was like, I would take that all day. Okay, that's why, because I read it wrong. Go, Stormy. Anyways, continue. Uh, All
6: right. A five that they'll win the Big Ten. A five that they'll make the college football playoff. But I'm still four and a half to win it all. You know, they have some question marks, in my opinion, on that offensive line. And they have some question marks on that defense. defense. Can they be elite? So, I when I look at the Big Ten, I just don't see anybody who's going to be able to stop Harrison, Smith, and Jigba, Travion with CJ delivering the ball. So, I, I like them to win the conference. But I, I still have some question marks about their ability to win it all until I see them play.
5: Yeah, injuries and in defense, I feel like, are the only real question marks for me right now because you just—you never know. You get into week four and you don't know right. who's going to be available and who's not. Um, but Ohio State should, on paper, dominate folks. You look at their schedule. and They're going to put up
6: some points. They're going to light up some score Yeah, boards. it's
5: hard to find a loss on it. You look even at Notre Dame right off the hop, who's supposed to be one of their more competitive teams I'm, that they play against. I'm not as high against.
6: on Notre Dame. And they're year.
5: a 14.5 point favorite against them for, yeah. for probably odds makers seeing the same reasoning as you. Let's go to the ACC, though, where Notre Dame is not a full-time member. They're remaining independent in football for now. We'll see what happens with them in this whole conference realignment saga. But Clemson, minus 140 favorite to win the ACC. Where's your confidence meter on the Tigers?
6: Two and a half. Mm. I'm not high on Clemson at all. I mean, I, I, I saw DJ. He looks like he's dropped some weight. You know, maybe that was what hindered him last year, was he had gotten too big, too stocky. But I'm just telling you, if you don't pivot in whatever environment you're in, I think teams pass you by. And the way Dabo built the Clemson program doesn't really fit into the way the big-time programs handle business. He doesn't like to participate in the transfer portal. You know, if you commit to Clemson, you can't take any other visits. Like, they're not heavily invested in the NIL community. So I think because of that, Clemson has some major depth issues and I don't think they're lining up with the same stack deck on offense mm-hmm. at the skill positions that they have before. I love the starting running back I think, you know, he's an outstanding player, but you look at that wide receiver group. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 not any, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, <laughs> running around Clemson as we speak, you know, so I think Miami should be the favorite. Win the ACC. I think Mario Cristobal with Tyler Van Dyke. I think a lot of people are high on NC State. I think Your girl uh, included.
4: Wake Forest them. is
6: going to be extremely they good on offense. I either. know they can't, but they're going to be extremely good on offense. You know, with Hartman and that crew. I just, I, I don't love Clemson. I don't I even, mean, I I'm right. not even a, a four and a half for them to win the ACC.
5: Well, and I think that's why the, where they're favored in the CFP talk is minus 190 to miss because it's more likely than not that given some of these high-caliber teams that they're not going to get all the way there to the promised land. Clemson, again, minus minus one forty-five favorite in the ACC. But my favorite is, like I said, it's a little bit of a longer shot. They're third on the odds board, but they're 9-1 to one because so much hype is around Clemson and around Miami, who you mentioned. But I love NC State. Yeah, you
6: got to get you a Devin Leary jersey.
5: I do. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that they are really, really solid at quarterback. They have so many returning pieces coming back this year. It's going to be Dave Dorn's best team. So as long as Dave Dorn doesn't Dorn it up, yeah. it'll be okay. I, I say that just because I know you're not a fan, but I I think that there's a lot of reason for optimism for the Wolfpack. It's a so good my price. my Clemson reading is very similar yeah. to yours. Let's go to the Big Twelve. Oklahoma, uh, they finally a, a non-odds-on favorite. Plus 175 here to win the Big 12. 35 to 1 to win it all. And they're yes, no, plus 450 to make the playoff.
6: Big fan of Dylan Gabriel, the transfer quarterback who came from UCF. Big fan of Jeff Levy's game day play calling. But well, I'm probably three on this. I actually picked K State to win the Big 12, but I just don't think Oklahoma has the the horses that they normally have. Normally, Oklahoma's loaded on offense, and they have a, an above-average offensive line. I can see them right now with all those gap skins and big tackles <laughs> coming around, and, you know, the minute that, that you put an extra guy in the box or throwing the ball over your head, you know, I, I, a lot of people left when Lincoln Riley went to USC. You know, Hazel Woods at Arkansas, Mario Williams is at USC, Caleb Williams is at USC, Spencer Rattler's at, at South Carolina, like – there's a lot of pieces to replace in one off season for a, a coach coming in. You know, I know Venables was there before, but so so I think Oklahoma regresses slightly this year. I'm hoping that I'm right on K State being a, team a
5: Is that the number you got? Twelve to one or did uh, you get 16? a higher one?
6: Whew. Yeah, so I mean we'll see, but I'm I'm not confident in Oklahoma.
5: Okay. Uh I saved uh the Pac twelve for last so that you don't have to worry about me getting on my soapbox here, but USC plus two hundred to win the league, twenty to one in the C F P odds.
6: From an entertainment value, it's a five. I'm just glad that USC is back in the national conversation. I think they're going to be exceptional on offense. I'm actually buying USC stock. I know Uh, Stormy is in the Utah. uh, I love Kyle and Cam Rising, but I'm going with Caleb Williams and Lincoln. they win some shootouts.
5: I don't know how much of their defense you watched. Because it is not good. It
6: isn't. (laughs) I agree with you. Um,
5: I I was going to say good for the league, but um, not so much with them (laughs) shipping their way out to the Big Ten here soon. We're going to step aside, take a quick break. When we come back, we will get to some MLB conversation. Clint Hurdle, former Longtime player, MLB manager. He was the NL manager of the year in 2013. Spent time with the Rockies and Nationals as their manager. Get his opinion on the NL Central, because obviously we have a very close race at the top of the division with the Brewers and Cardinals. His opinion there. Maybe a little Cy Young talk, MVP race talk, who he thinks is going to win the World Series. So we will do that coming up on the other side.